Welcome to God's Planning, Contemplative Preachers, Contemporary Age. Each week, join the Dominican Friars as they consider all things Catholic. Welcome to God's Planning. I'm Father Gregory Pine, joined here by Father Jacob Bertrand Janzik. Father Jacob Bertrand, how are things? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, I'd say I'm doing well. I am, uh, yeah, just, um, what am I doing? Finishing up things here in the United States of America. Um, and just had an opportunity to visit my family one last time before going to Europe, which was good. It was good to see the whole whole squad uh, with all like the little nieces and nephews and stuff like that. So I was delighted at the prospect. Um, yeah. How's, uh, how's things in the vocation office? Things are good. We're, we're kind of cruising along right now, I guess, middle of the fall. Um, kind of hard to believe that it's October or whatever already. Uh, but yeah, cruising along, getting ready for a, um, one of the, the Thomistic Institute Choosing Well retreat coming up that I'm hosting with the TI. Uh, and then a vocation weekend after that. And yeah, just kind of, kind of going on, surviving, surviving the, the COVID times and making, I guess, vocations and vocation work possible and, and all that. So nothing too exciting or new, but just kind of cruising along. Mm-hmm. I noticed you said making vocations and then you paused and then you said possible. You didn't mm-hmm. say great again. But if you had said great again, that would be like a lead into things political, which is fascinating because the subject of this podcast, he says with halting prose, is voting. Um, mm. So we're just going to kind of entertain some questions, some fundamental questions about voting and what it really means. Uh, why, one might ask. Voting is just kind of a given. What's the point in philosophizing about it? Well, I, th- I think that like, you know, my sense of the thing is um, a lot of people, well, don't vote for one, uh, feel no compulsion to vote, and also feel kind of microaggressed or triggered by being encouraged to vote in this present political dispensation. So yeah, we'll just try to adduce some principles and then chat through what it means to be a voter in the uh, current political dispensation. So maybe we just start with your impressions on the matter. Uh, why vote? What's the point? Yeah. Um, I, was, I was on the phone with my mom. This is probably a couple of weeks ago now, and we were, we were just talking about something wholly unrelated to the, to the current election or, or voting in particular, but she made the comment sort of, uh, I guess, the, the, the trope that everyone seems to make that not to talk religion or politics with your, with your family and said, mom, that's like all I talk about is religion. <laughs> that's like what I do. I mean, it seems that we're often, I mean, just politics in the sense of in, in the community and amongst the brethren, just talking about what's going on in the world. So not always politics specifically, but just like contemporary stuff. And I guess the religion thing, being a Dominican, uh, that's kind of what we're always doing. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so my, I guess I have, I have strong thoughts on most everything. <laughs> so I have strong thoughts on, on voting too. And my general thought on, on voting um, sort of removed from just sort of voting theory removed from the the current upcoming election, but just voting in general, is that um, I sort of situated as as something that one um, has a small o obligation to participate in. Um, so I don't I'm not saying that there's necessarily moral weight that if somebody doesn't vote, then it's it's sinful or something like that. But the, the way I understand and the way that I look at it is that as members uh, of as members of the culture and of our country who sort of um, as citizens of our of our country who sort of uh, 
reap the benefits in different ways, but reap the benefits of the society in which we live. I think that there is in turn an obligation to tar- to participate in that society and to fulfill the sort of um, rights and obligations that one has as a member of that society. Now, of course, one could always say that, well, it's my right not to vote. Just because I have the right doesn't mean I need to exercise it. And that's a choice that I'm making. Sure. Um, fine. But I, I think that sort of challenging oneself to make decisions um, in any given election on whether it's about a particular thing or a particular person, um, but also challenging this sort of, I, I don't know if it's a challenge, but um, even just getting out to the polls or sending in a ballot as it seems, you know, I'm, I'm registered here in DC. So I got a ballot an unsolicited ballot in the mail, like everybody. So I get to vote twice here in DC. I get to vote <laughs> on my ballot and then I get to drop that ballot off at the, at the school where, where I vote and then vote again. So it's, it's great. <laughs> so I get to do it twice. Uh, some people get to do it many times, you know, these sorts of things. But I, that, that's kind of where I start on that. That if, if we're receiving benefits from, um, from the society in which we live, we're obligated then to participate in that society um, in the ways that we, are, that we are asked to. And I think voting, paying taxes, I guess we don't pay taxes, but paying taxes, um, these sorts of things, uh, are, are sort of things that we need to, to invest in and to participate in. It's interesting. When you mention the word obligation, I think that's a word that will register in different ways for different people. So, for instance, uh, if you tell obligation to Father Bonaventure, he'll be like, great, where do I sign up? How do I, you know, fulfill my duty? Whereas if you say the word obligation to me, I'm like, how do I find a way of not doing this because of reasons of, you know, personal malformation. Some people, I think, when they hear that there's a duty to be done, they thrill at the opportunity. And other people, when they hear that there's a duty to be done, uh, they might push back against it because, you know, who are you to insist or from whence come the obligation, things like that. And I think that a lot of people are having this experience right now because, at least as I have uh, observed the situation, there's a lot more kind of get out the vote rhetoric currently Mm -hmm. in the culture. So like you're getting emails from everywhere where you've ever bought a pizza, you know, telling you to register to vote. And if you watch an NBA game, it's in your face, you know, that you should register to vote. And the NBA Players Association is boasting that 90% of its members are registered to vote. And you can interpret this in different ways because, you know, depending on what business or what organization is encouraging it, I think sometimes they genuinely, genuinely are just encouraging greater political involvement because they see it as a good that we take possession of the thing. But I think that others just kind of have the presumption that if people show up, then my candidate will win, be mm-hmm. it, you know, the Republican or be it the Democrat. There's a kind of presumption that they are on the side of the angels or that, you know, all thinking persons who have any sense uh, will certainly see the thing as I do. So it's fascinating because, Um, it can seem neutral or it can seem just kind of generally, uh, excuse me, generally patriotic, but it can also have uh, obviously a a kind of political edge to it. So I think that when people hear the word obligation, it's thrown back on them how they interpret that and then also what they do to go about it. So maybe we can just, before going into like a kind of philosophy of voting, just talk a little bit about people's obstacles to voting because I think that it's good to acknowledge them because if a person's thinking like, I don't, I don't really want to bother, um, they might feel on the one hand unmotivated, but also guilty about it. So I think it can be helpful just to acknowledge obstacles uh, so as to lead in uh, to what, what follows in turn. So yeah, what do you, what do you think? What, what, what makes people or what gives people pause before voting? 
Yeah, well, I think yeah, on, on a sort of superficial or practical, maybe not superficial, that's maybe not the best way to, to, to phrase it, but on the, on the practical level, um, simply kind of like putting up with, with going to vote, putting up with having to wait in line, with figuring out where to go, with register, like all of these, there are just the sort of inherent obstacles to be able to do it, to kind of, it's, I think even in, in my mind, I kind of think of going to vote, like going to the DMV. It's just something that like I don't want to do. And it's run by people who like, we do this once every couple of years, presidential election once every four years, but other elections every couple of years. It's like, it's like the Easter vigil. We do it enough to think that we know how to do it, but not enough to actually know how to do it. So you kind of get there and like everybody's shuffling papers and it's like, what is going on? So that in itself, I think is, uh, dissuades people. And then on, on the sort of, on the who to vote for kind of thing, especially now in such a charged political climate where, to be honest, if we're looking at the, the election in November, neither candidate uh, seems to be, you know, super attractive. Neither, you don't look at either, I think, even on a sort of personal level and think, wow, that, that man is really somebody who I can uh, get behind on all of their, on all of their platforms or how they present themselves or these sorts of things. So there are, it, I think we have to be honest to say that it's it's harder to vote for somebody who comes off as sort of braggadocious as one side, you know, as Donald Trump does, or perhaps as critics of Joe Biden, who seems like doesn't know what he's always talking about. It's like, well, how do then we even transition to talk about their policies when the person who's presenting the policies is often an obstacle to, to even to even cast the vote? So I, I think those are just some initial things that, you know, make things a little more difficult really yeah i think another thing too is a lot of people just get the impression that their vote doesn't matter right mm. because you think about it, it's a large populace the way that the electoral college works you know your your vote may be part of a twenty thousand person landslide victory or it may be part of a twenty thousand person landslide defeat it can feel sometimes like your vote's just a drop of water in the ocean or like um, a little match, you know, kind of cast into the sea, depending on whether or not you win or lose. And, and so as a result of which, you, you don't really see the point in keeping on, as it were, or just, um, you know, suffering for noble ends. You know, it just seems kind of um, quixotic. And so, and, and especially in this one, when, you know, a lot of these uh, different jurisdictions are mailing people ballots, and there's already a great suspicion of voter fraud. And, some of these absentee ballots have already been thrown out by postal workers. And, you know, it's just like, when are they going to count my vote? Are they going to count my vote? Uh, do I have to ID myself at the poll? Are they going to have like two different ballot boxes, the ones that they keep and the ones that they burn? You know, it's just like, it can, it can be kind of overwhelming for the average voter because it just doesn't seem like what I do matters much. So maybe then to kind of build up an image of the way in which one's vote does matter or how one's vote really shapes one as an individual and forges character and really does contribute to um, the kind of common project of the polity. Let's think then, uh, you know, what is the voter? What does it signify? So, yeah, I mean, we can talk about different virtues or we can talk about different character things, but in your mind, what's, uh, what's most important or what's really at stake in, in casting a vote? So as I, said kind of at the top of the episode, I think that if if one, I guess the what kind of motivates what I've already said that if one is a recipient, a recipient and a participator in a given society and kind of agrees to, to be part of it, then one ought to agree to be part of it to the fullest, fullest extent that they're able to. Um, so 
that I think that includes that includes voting. And I think there's there's um, with respect to that, then there's it's an issue of of justice, particularly if we're going to and as we should with respect to the First Amendment exercise our ability to sort of complain about the system or to complain or disagree about what politicians or what policies we have in place. Uh, I think we we do have to hold to in 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 our republic and in our form of government, that the the primary way in which this has changed is through the ballot, is that it's through voting. Even if it seems that my one vote is insignificant, um, well, you know, it's it's still how we participate in our form of governance. It's how we sort of have a voice, whether this is on a local level or the the you know the the level of a sort of um, of a presidential election, so I think that's 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 something that's important in my mind is that we have a is this sort of responsible kind of political involvement or public involvement. Um, I also think that it has there, there's a real sense of um, you now this is perhaps more of a charged word in in sort of today's political climate, but the the idea of patriotism of of love for our country, and I think we can we can say on on both sides of the aisle when we're when we're dealing with a reasonable sort of reflection on what the country has been and what the country should be and the changes that need to occur or not occur in the country um, that that there is that there is a love for the country and for the the American people, um, a sense of patriotism in, in the sort of healthiest and best sense, and that we, there, there, there ought to be a sort of pride in our ability to, um, to sort of direct the, where the country is going and how the country is um, being governed and who is doing the governing and this sort of thing. And I think that can be said uh, uh, for for whatever kind of side of the decision or um, policy or person that we come down on. Um, I like this, uh, certainly the theme of patriotism. I want to pick it up when we come back. We're going to take a short break. So grab yourself a cup of coffee or uh, keep on chugging on your walk back from the playground with your kids. And we'll catch you on the latter half of God's Plenty. This is God's Planning. Get up to date on all our latest episodes at opeast.org slash godsplaining. back. We're here on this episode talking about voting, uh, just giving perspectives on the purpose of the vote, maybe a kind of philosophy of the vote, uh, but in effect to kind of breathe a little bit of life back into our participation in the democratic process. One, because it matters in terms of the actual objects concerned with our vote, but also insofar as it defines us, right, or builds us up or tears us down as human beings. Uh, insofar as it contributes to our own virtuous formation. So Father Jacob Bertrand mentioned this matter of justice and as a kind of related consideration of justice, talking about patriotism. So when St. Thomas talks about justice, he says, you know, it's what we, what we owe to another. And usually we think about that as what we owe to one other person. So, you know, you get something at the supermarket. Let's say you're in Philadelphia. You pick yourself up a box of Tasty Cakes, you know, some butterscotch crimpets. It costs you $2.89 for a box of a thousand of them. And uh, yeah, you hand that to the cashier. He tenders your change. And that's a kind of simple exchange of justice. But justice has other dimensions, obviously. So certainly it's, it's just to consider the common good and to be conscious and intentional as concerns our participation in it. 
And um, St. Thomas will go on to describe these different kind of aspects of justice or these other virtues which issue from justice, one of which he calls piety. And we can think about it in terms of patriotism. There's a sense that, you know, we've been given all that we are, right? So we've been given all that we are by God, who is our creator and end. We've been given all that we are by our parents, right? Who, um, you know, had us as it were. Uh, but we've also been given all that we are by our country. That's not to say like different goods, like the country has given us our home or it's given us our fields or it's, you know, it's, that's not necessarily what we're saying. But that when we're born, we are born into a culture, we're born into a state, we're born into a polity, and that our lives are contextualized in that, in that polity, in that state, in that culture. And as a result of which, you know, we speak a certain language, we adopt certain mores of practices, and we live in a particular way. And so we owe that kind of debt of gratitude. And the part, you know, part of being patriotic in a democracy is contributing as an individual. Um, it's not necessarily to say that democracy is the best form of government. That's a long, long, long-standing argument. Uh, so Plato and Aristotle, you know, they have their own rank order of different political systems. And they seem to think that democracy is, you know, it's kind of middling at best. In their minds, a kind of constitutional monarchy is the best. And they talk about aristocracy and democracy and oligarchy and, you know, all these different ways in which one can arrange the political dispensation. They basically say, like, democracy is, you know, good, but it can kind of be a, a mob rule, uh, an ochlocracy. So it's, it's interesting that we have the opportunity to be patriotic, to render a debt of gratitude to our country by participating in a way that is just, right, that is sensible um, and that is peaceable, right, rather than being mob-driven. Now, mind you, obviously a lot of the current practice seems a little bit mob-driven, but we can infuse some reason into it by being just, by being patriotic. Um, so, yeah, those are, those are a couple of things. But, I mean, do you have kind of in the hopper other virtues that you think are at stake, other ways in which, um, you know, we ourselves are formed in the process? Yeah, you know, I think with respect to all of that, and there there is the consideration, too, of how we kind of approach and interact, uh, approach our country and our fellow citizens, that kind of sounds kind of weird to say, but, um, and also the future for, for our, for us, for those Americans that will come after us. Um, the, the political climate is so filled with kind of cynicism and attacks and kind of jaded kind of ways of interacting and kind of predicting the future. And, um, I, I, I think there's a difference and there has to be a difference between, um, sort of criticizing something or analyzing a particular candidate situation circumstance um, with respect to its goods and its its vices um, but that that as we as we approach kind of voting and what voting does for the country that we it exercises really we can say in a, in a sense of a virtue of hope that um, we we enter into um, into this mentality that that Though it may, you know, my one vote in a presidential election uh, may not, it may be a drop in a bucket, but it is a drop in a bucket that contributes. And it, I think simply by, by participating, and there's sort of a civic hope in that, and that um, my vote counts in an appropriate and proper way, but also that I can participate in, in the shaping of, of our country for the better. I don't think we vote for candidates that we think are gonna do harm to the country. We may disagree with the other side, but I think that often it's the case that we vote for the candidate that we think will do the best um, in the given circumstances. So I, I do think that it, in, a, in a civic and a secular way that it, it builds a sort of um, 
I don't know, sort of political hope or what, and I don't mean just political in the sense of like the divide, but in the exercise of politics that, that does sort of um, contribute and breed to kind of a healthier outlook on, on the country and, and what needs to be done and what needs to not be done. Yeah. And I think that there's like a sense of agency implicit in that description because we feel ourselves to be contributors. We feel ourselves to be implicated. We feel ourselves to kind of be bound up with the good of the country, which I think is, is, is a great thing. And certainly, you know, different kind of uh, Americans throughout the course of our country's life have been enfranchised. And that for them is typically a significant moment. So like at the outset, it just would have been property gentlemen and then you know, like property requirements and then civic test requirements and then kind of race considerations and gender considerations are all kind of taken account of and then legislated by a series of amendments. And then now it's, it's a matter of one being American and being of a certain age. So I think that for a lot of, you know, these different kind of communities, it represents a big step when they get the vote. And so for us to tender the vote is also a kind of exercise in the democracy of the dead. Um, we afford a voice to our past. Uh, we do something that's deeply traditional, right? That's, that's rooted in the history of our country. And also, uh, like we can contribute to a future that we ourselves have taken part in shaping. You know, there's a sense of agency there, um, which ultimately, like, you know, we've talked about different virtues, justice and patriotism and hope. And you could even mention, you know, political prudence, but love. I mean, all of this kind of uh, contributes to an understanding that's, uh, that's shaped by love. It's because we love these things that we take stock of them and that we um, make an effort to shape them. Um, not because we want to punish those of a different persuasion or because that we might think ourselves to have all of the answers and want to inflict those answers upon our fellow citizens, but it's because we care deeply about this thing and our voting is an expression of our caring deeply about this thing. Um, and, you know, that's that's just kind of the, the root or the foundation of this kind of Catholic principle of subsidiarity, namely that you are best equipped to take care of those things which you love most, and as a result of which you can rely upon those people to contribute to a political good who themselves know it and love it, um, and who express that love and, and the appropriate means. So, yeah, maybe just kind of for uh, a final theme as we, you know, we have a, a few more minutes here on the episode. I think that um, it's good, you know, good to acknowledge the different setbacks or um, maybe things that give rise to a jaded or cynical outlook on the voting process. But I also think that voting is, is a kind of expression of a new sincerity. I think everyone wants to be ironic or everyone wants to be maybe down on what to them seems a hyper-politicized process with no real um, kind of prospect of enduring change or genuine philosophical consideration of what's best. Um, and so they just kind of want to distance themselves from it. But by voting, you, you draw close to it. You take, you take ownership of it. And you say, like, I have these commitments, right? And, and you might look a little bit dopey to other people, um, but that's okay, right? Because you end up looking dopey whenever you, you, sh you show yourself to be for something that can be criticized for others. Um, so yeah, I don't know if you have thoughts on um, this idea of fundamental commitments, you know, kind of being dopey or this, this new sincerity that we're seeking here. Yeah. And I think, I think it's tough. Uh, I think it's tough to, to sort of, um, get over that, that sort of fear of kind of investing into a system that I think people are, it's, it's easy to, 
to criticize. It's easy to cast stones against voting. We we even we hear this. We heard it in the 2016 election. We're hearing it now with the you know the way in which the elections are rigged or people are hacking them or these sort of you know. So it's it's to sort of even invest in a sincere way in a process that is so readily and easily picked apart, perhaps unfairly. Um, yeah, I think it does kind of give the label of of being naive or or kind of hyper earnest in in a sort of yeah naive way um or even too sometimes you know you you hear the issue and and this is something that i you know i was thinking about but you hear the issue of of sort of being a a one issue voter that a one issue kind of dominates and that people who think in this way um often this is leveled against catholics about abortion or these sorts of rights but um that that it's it's really a a stupid way to vote or an incomplete way that we have to look at the bigger picture when in fact there are some one issues, single issues that are, that are of the utmost importance. Um, So it's easy to kind of be criticized or targeted for, for sort of investing in this, this hope of, of change from the political system. But I do think that if we look at the course of history, the 200 plus years of, of our country's history with voting, that, that the, the ability for the American people to shape the politic and the policy of the country is, is undeniable. And that the, the shift in, in sort of policy change and influence in policy, and particularly from the local level, which is, you know, often people just vote for the president every four years, but participating in, in the sort of electoral process throughout, not just once every four years, but throughout the years of, you know, on more local levels and these sorts of things, we really, we, we do contribute in ways that, um, that that are able to shape and to influence uh, the country in which we live and the neighborhoods in which we live and, and the cities in which we live. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think that's an important, important consideration. Yeah, I think, I mean, a lot of people are probably sitting at home thinking, you know, we're, we're just going to get manipulated. Um, the election's going to be bought. The election will be influenced by Russia. Um, even at the level of social media and the way that like influencing and micro-targeting is tailored so fine-tunedly, you know, like a lot of it just comes down to brain chemistry and who's willing to deploy better technological means for inducing people to vote for this or the other candidate. Um, and that's all in a kind of political environment, which is really, really replete with, you know, tough rhetoric and bitter invective and false promises and yeah, just all kinds of insanity. So, I mean, is it is it like a thing that, should be enjoyable from start to finish? Absolutely not. But that's the deal. I mean, life is (laughs) kind of this way. Um, And I suppose it's not really so much for us to say, would that it were otherwise, and I'm not going to participate in until such time as it's cleaner. I think part of it becoming better, more healthy, part of it being transformed is our loving it. Um, G.K. Chesterton has this uh, kind of cool image where he says, he's talking about one of these seaside resorts during his time that was kind of ugly, Brighton. And he said that Brighton will not be transformed as the result of some kind of social experiment. You know, it's not going to be transformed by a letter writing campaign from somebody who wants to kind of get an Eagle Scout merit project to their name. He says Brighton will be transformed when, when it's loved, you know. So it's not that we love something or we love what a something could be and then it comes to be realized, but rather we love what something is and it's transformed as a result of it being loved. And I think that maybe, you know, all this discussion of patriotism and hope and love and a variety of virtues, which can be uh, kind of brought to bear on the issue comes to this point that it's ours, you know, and we love it not because it's 
necessarily better than other countries or, oh, the it there is America, not because it's necessarily better than other countries um, or not because, you know, uh, we can identify particular qualities of America, which make it so great, but we love it because it's ours. You know, we love it because it's ours and you can enumerate qualities certainly. Um, but a lot of it's really bound up with the relationship that we have with America. And, and if the political process is to improve, it will not be by our absenting ourselves from it, but rather by our investing ourselves in it more deeply, which is about as passionately as I've ever said anything about voting. And maybe that's to overplay my hand and sound like a little too soaring. Um, and, uh, you know, precious but yeah i mean it's it's something it's not nothing i mean like i'm a person who I'm, i i could at past times in my life i've been ambivalent about voting i was kind of of the mind like you know if somebody paid me to vote <laughs> i could be bought you know that's i'm not terribly proud to admit that but it's it's not something that i've loved doing and i've just kind of found it to be an obstacle but i see it now for maybe yeah just a kind of outworking of of our love of country so yeah yeah father jacob Bertram, final thoughts Final thoughts. I think that this uh, that this election cycle, the election that we face in a couple of weeks, is is one that we we can't underestimate the sort of challenge that it poses to the country um, and the challenge that it poses to us as voters to sort of weigh the options and and come to a decision um, and to not compromise on this on the on the truths of who we are as men and women on the truths that the that our Lord teaches us about us through revelation um, and to to make decisions that are um not always not always perfectly neat and tidy because decisions have to be made uh, because they're going to be made with or without us and our our influence in that our influence um in in the sort of political life of the country is is real and it's important um because as i just said those decisions and those outcomes can either be made with that influence from from us or without and i think we would be in a much better place if those decisions had the contribution of those who understand you know what the good is and are pursuing the good um so as a personal note i like pizza bullies and the nba and and the nfl and you know would encourage you all to 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 vote and to participate in 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 that exercise of your sort of civic duty i know father gregory already said that not everybody likes that word but i'm going to stick to it yeah, buddy. Yeah. No, I, uh, I, I don't love, well, it's, it's what it is. Obligation duty gives me, gives me the willies, but perhaps I need to be shaped by it, kind of conform to it rather than just weaseling my way around, he says in humble and frank admission. So uh, with that, we're going to uh, sign, seal, and deliver this episode of God's Planning. Thanks so much for having joined. Uh, we got a couple weeks, right, until the election itself. So please do share this episode with your friends, those sympathetic, those less sympathetic, those unsympathetic. Uh, certainly the way that you um, kind of package your recommendation will lead to its good or bad reception. So say, you know, these are two like, you know, pretty nice guys sharing their, uh, you know, pretty well thought out thoughts. You know, you can say whatever you want, I suppose. But yeah, please do share it with your friends whom you think would benefit from a conversation on voting. And uh, we'll look forward to chatting with you next time on God's Planning. God bless. Thanks for listening to God's Planning, a work of the Dominican Friars of the province of St. Joseph. Visit us at opeast.org.